get set and they're off okay baby sleeping so i can't really bang this too hard like i want to right now but you know that watching our athletes at the olympic games just brings so much pride and joy to our lives but did you know that athletes don't get paid to participate in the Olympics. So how do they make money then? And what happens after they retire? We're talking the business side of the Olympics with head of Leap Marketing and athlete brand manager Tanya Lee Perkins and Olympic bronze medalist Warren Weir. The medals don't come with a cash prize? No. And that's why you need to get out there and ensure that you perform well so that you're racing to the heart and that you can make money, money. And later, the analysts weigh in on the latest market developments. Seprod's results are out. The company that has delivered revenue of $19.8 billion, which is an increase of $1.2 billion um, for the corresponding uh, period in 2020. In the U.S., people are flocking to dollar stores for value items and all those dollars are adding up. And the last time I checked it, it was around $100.54. The P.E. is around 16.16 times and the return on equity is 21%. So those indicators show that the stock is performing. And the IMF's global growth projections are out. The IMF has not really done a major revision to what they said in April. So, I mean, pretty much it has remained unchanged. So, they're looking at global growth at 6% for 2021 and 4.9% in 2022, which is pretty much the same as they had it in April. I'm Kalila Reynolds, and welcome to Taking Stock. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. Big news too, guys. You can now catch Money Mondays JA on Cool 97 FM every Wednesday and Thursday morning at 7.30. It's called Let's Get This Money with Kalila Reynolds, so look out for that. Now, before we get started, head over to my website, kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter to get my newsletter straight to your inbox twice a week. You can click the link up here or in the description box below. Now, come on, let's get this money. But first, here's what's hot. Brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. Apple's new preference shares offer closed last week after being oversubscribed. Based on the prospectus of the offer, funds were being raised to refinance Apple's $1.21 billion or $8 million US dollar debt. The shares stood to be upsized to $1.4 billion or $9.7 million US. Apple and Sagico Investments announced via press release that the offer closed last Monday as scheduled. Vice President for Capital Markets at Sagico Investments, Mishka McLeod-Hines, says the success of the issue reflects the company's long track record of strong, consistent financial performance. In the meantime, General Manager of Apple, Justin Nam, says the preference share issue will lower the company's cost of funding, improve its maturity profile, and facilitate continued growth through execution of strategic objectives. Proven is investing $8.5 million US dollars in a commercial property in Kingston. Proven REIT has partnered with Case International, which trades as Trin Grinners, to build a five-story building on Lady Musgrave Road in Kingston. Construction of the 42,000 square feet building began in May and is expected to be completed in 11 months. Dubbed Proven Point, the building will house the operations of Proven and Tin Grinners Orthodontic Services. Proven REIT CEO Aisha Campbell told the Jamaica Observer that the development represents the future of commercial real estate. She said there will be a few spaces that will also be put on the market for rent. 
In related real estate news, Sagicor Group's manager for CapEx and Projects, Denor Pusey, will be leaving to join the First Rock team come September 1. He will take up the position of Assistant Vice President of First Rock's real estate business and assume responsibilities for First Rock Capital Holdings' regional real estate assets. He is currently responsible for real estate investments, construction management, strategy and planning at Sagicor. Pusey is said to have strong expertise in real estate investments, development, estate and project management. By 2023, Fontana will add a new location in Portmore at a cost of $100 million. Fontana CEO Anne Chang told the Financial Gleaner that the company will be building a brand new 20,000 square feet branch. The pharmacy, which will become the seventh in the Fontana chain, will be located at Britain Parkway and Municipal Drive in Portmore, next to the future Price Smart complex. The new complex will take design cues from Fontana's Waterloo Square branch in Kingston. Chang said within three months, Fontana Portmore is expected to earn more revenue than the cost of developing the store, but will take longer to turn a profit. The Jamaica Money Market Brokers JMMB Group plans to acquire new banking operations in the region. Group Chief Strategy Officer at JMMB Claudine Tracy told the Jamaica Observer that the group is actively working on two transactions that will support the expansion of the group's banking business line and its regional footprint. The initiatives are subject to regulatory approval, but are expected to help improve the group's overall financial performance. Details about which markets are being targeted are yet to be disclosed. ITEL BPO has acquired 100% of regional outsourcing firm Emerge BPO. Emerge has operations in Guyana and Honduras and represents various large North American brands. The cost of the transaction is unknown. However, the acquisition increases ITEL's reach into nine markets. In a social media post, CEO Yoni Epstein said he's excited about the opportunities as ITEL continues to grow its diverse offerings across the Caribbean and Latin America. He said Emerge adds 700 employees to ITEL's network, including workers in Guyana and Honduras, and a work-from-home network in the United States. What's Heart was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. And when we come back, the Olympics are underway and Team Jamaica has been blazing on the track. But have you ever wondered what goes into the preparation of the Olympics and the big endorsement deals behind the athletes? Hey, moneymakers, you're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit kalilareynolds.com store to order your t-shirt and your mask today. Let's get this money. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Welcome back to Taking Stock. Big stars like Usain Bolt and Shelly Ann Fraser-Price have made millions from their athletics career and brands. But what happens to athletes who aren't as successful or famous? What does it take to be financially successful as an athlete? We're joined by Head of Leap Marketing and Athlete Brand Manager Tanya Lee Perkins and Olympic bronze medalist Warren Ware. Hi, Warren. Hi, Tanya. Welcome to Taking Stock. Right, thanks Hi, Kalila. Thanks for having us. So this is a really great time to have this type of conversation, of course, because the Olympics is going on. Yeah, winning is definitely big business, isn't it, Tanya? It is. And I mean, it's business for everybody in Tokyo right now because of the fact that you're looking at two things. You're looking at performing well, so you get into the top 10 in the world and that you get a lane on the Diamond League circuit so that you get a lane in the World Challenge Grand Prix meets. Um, that's going to be very important in terms of the athlete's earning potential for the next four years. 
you're looking to perform well, you're looking to tell your brand story, you're hoping that you're going to race into the hearts of fans and that you're going to grow your social media numbers and become a household name so that you're able to bank on your brand. Why is the brand so important and being intentional about the brand in sports? Because a lot of people think that, you know, you just get up there, you train, of course, you train very, very hard, you do your best and everything will just come to you. But is that how it works or is there more that goes into it? There's much more that goes into it. I mean, the brand is important because at the end of the day, an athlete sells an image and when you get a contract so when you think about how you earn in the sport one of the biggest earners or the biggest earners in track and field is actually your endorsement deal that you get with your athletic sponsor whether it's a nike a puma an adidas a new balance and you're going to get that off of two things they're going to look at the brand value and they're going to look at your performances so how well are you performing on the track number one is always going to be how you're performing um once you're in that top five in the world top 10 in the world top 15 in the world you're going to be able to get a lucrative contract um and of course that grows if it's a big ticket event like the 100 meter or the 200 or the 400 but you also want to showcase a bit of who you are you want to bring fans along with you tell your your brand story how did you get here what was the journey like for the last four years i mean what were some of the challenges that you had because you want to you want to build your fan base so that those social media numbers are something that you can take into a meeting and also you're looking at local endorsement deals in the context of jamaica there's so many athletes who have deals with a Digicel, a Flo, a Grace Kennedy, a Wisinko, and it's based on their brand, their social media following, and their performances. Well, somebody who knows a bit about that is Warren. I see you have on your Wears World t-shirt <laughs> you're, you're representing. So tell me about your experience in developing your own brand, because you've done a really good job at that, developing your own brand and working with other brands as well. Well, for me, um, I was in the age of social media just coming into existence. So for me, I was one of those who people just thought I was distracted because I was a post a lot on social media. But I was telling people that it, it takes nothing for me to take a picture, take a video and post because it's like somewhere down the line, I saw the long, the end game of, of, of having a social media presence and having, um, having um, marketing myself um how i wanted to in social media so um at the end of the day it, it, it's definitely changing now because i remember during the 2012 olympics you couldn't post a brand you couldn't if the brand wasn't associated with the current olympics you couldn't endorse it so now i can see that at least can do way more stuff and it's it's just a good thing to see, to see how much social media has grown and is an integral part of of, of the sporting world yeah so tanya you mentioned earlier that you can get a, a very lucrative deal and we know some of these deals for the top top athletes are in the millions of dollars but what are we talking about when it's a lucrative how, how much money really can one expect to make no kalila to be honest with you that money varies significantly it can be anywhere from as little as twenty thousand us all the way up to the millions and per annum so um, it's down to negotiations, it's down to the brand, it's down to the event in the sport, it's down to how well you perform, it's down to your social numbers and your following. Um, there are so many variables that go into it, but you can earn big 
I mean, when you think about the ways that a track and field athlete earn, it's going to be on the circuit and it's through their athletic contract and it's through their endorsement deals. Where I think track and field can go, and a lot of track athletes aren't there yet, is looking at the LeBron model, the Messi model, the CR7 model. Yes, those are bigger sports um, globally in terms of basketball and football, but certainly a track athlete should think about the fact that they can make multiples of endorsement deals. Just to use Usain as an example again, he made 30 times what he did on the track through endorsements. So I think that's the model for the future. The endorsement model, but haven't Jamaican athletes been doing that? I know many of them or some of them have local endorsement deals as well as some international ones. Warren had Adidas supporting him. Yes. Um, so the thing with um, Jamaica is in that we're, we're, we're growing, we're getting there. We're not just um, a country that used to sponsor um, elite athletes during a certain time of the year. We're actually growing where we actually have small companies are moving towards sponsored athletes, not just the big names, not just not just the big names are sponsoring the bigger athletes. We see that um, smaller athletes are getting um, contracts, whether it's like uh, just a one one off ports or some sort of some sort of agreement um, are coming in now. And as I say, it's changing Jamaica over the world. It's way better. Like if you go in America, like you even have to be you can be the slowest person in there. America is so big, is that. Mm, so social media playing an ever-increasing role. Yeah, yes, Tanya? Well, there are some athletes now who are banking very well off of their brand and are banking very well off their performances. So I'm going to use an example of one of my athletes, which is Brianna Williams. 19 years old, she's at her first Olympics. She will possibly be on a record-breaking 4 by 100 meter team. But ahead of that, last year she was signed to Nike through HSI Sports, which are her agents um, based in California. And that discussion was had because of the fact that Brianna's brand was something that we've been building for quite some time. And we take people along her journey from a fast 15-year-old who had a 15-year-old year, um, year world record, the fastest 15-year-old in history, someone who became um, the youngest for Jamaica in terms of winning um, the World Juniors in the one and two, um, you know, just by virtue of the performances that she had on the track as a junior, it had set her up significantly for getting that huge Nike contract um, to the point at which she was able to buy her house at 18 years old. I don't know a lot of people who can say they did that, um, but Brianna was able to do that at 18 just based off her talent, her performances, and the fact that very early we started to build on her brand. And of course, you know, locally she signed to Digicel and to Grace Kennedy. And those are multi-million, multi-year deals. And um, it's based on the fact that she has a huge following and that's bankable. Warren, let me ask you this. What is it like before you actually make that breakthrough, before people actually recognize you as a household name and a household face, before one, two, three, Financially, what was it like for you as an athlete? Was it, uh, did you have difficulty uh, well, financing training, for example? Well, um, so I, I, I did pretty good in high school. So as Tanya said, my my junior career kind of set me up to get um, a, look, a, a, a contract with Adidas. So I got a contract straight to high school with Adidas. Wasn't the greatest, but it's something that I could live off or go to training off or and do it. So if, a lot of people don't know. So. When they get a contract from these sporting companies, 
um, the, the companies like the Adidas, the Nike, the New Balance, the Puma, they pay your coach. So, no, so I didn't have to pay my coach out of my pocket because that money came from Adidas. That wasn't a part of that. My money wasn't touched there. But you definitely see a difference when you win that medal and things change. You can do more now. You can, you know, you can spurge a little more there. You can enjoy a little more there. You can relax a little more there. So definitely getting the medal is the best thing you can do. It's, there's no substitute for getting that medal. Um, once you get that medal, it's like, we're talking about money, it's like a hit goal on the, on the stock market. <laughs> well, how, how much money, how much investment does it actually take to get an athlete to that point in the Olympics? Like including training, including you have to eat special food. I mean, there's a lot equipment that you need, paying the coach. How much does that cost? It's it's a significant financial investment and it varies from person to person. I think that most Jamaicans do very well with what we have, the resources that we have available here. Um, but when you think about it, just to give you an idea of what some of the expenses are for a typical athlete, it's going to be housing. Many of them are not from Kingston. They come to Kingston to train, schooling, medical, track rental for them to run, gym membership. They have to pay a trainer. They're going to need money for overseas travel eventually. They need nutritional supplements, running gear, training gear, running spike trainers. I mean, the list goes on and on. And if they have injury worries, if there are issues, then those bills are, are there as well in terms of um, physiotherapy and medical. So it's, it's a significant investment that an athlete makes. And I just want to even use this space, Kalila, to say, I know that there are many corporates who are sponsoring the Olympics now, but think about the journey for a lot of these athletes, because the truth is most of them are not sponsored. They don't have a huge athletic contract. Um, the majority of our athletes work on grants because when you're in track and field, you really can't have a nine to five. It takes a lot out of you. And so what you find is that they do get sponsorship grants through um, the Jamaica Olympic Association. Some are subsidized by the government through in sports. But it would be good if more corporates thought about investing in those athletes along the journey um, to help them to realize that dream. But then how do you maintain an income after retirement? Like when athletes are looking toward, you know, when you're at your peak and you're hot, the sponsorships are coming easily. You have your social media following. What do you do after you're no longer participating in the sport? How do you earn an income then? Okay. So, um, some of a lot of people said this to me before. One of the main Burke Cameron said this to me before. He said to me, While you're popular, while you're hot, get whatever you have out there. So that, that means that when you're no longer in the public eye, people still remember you. So I started my company while I was still doing track and field. When people remember me, when I was in them face every single day. And where's um, world? I'm, where's world media? So I'm good at what I do. So um, for me, that was a that was an easy way of advertising because I was already known. I was being out there every day. Every chance I get to plug my brand, I plug my brand. Um, you definitely see that with um, people like with Shelly. Shelly has her hair company, so she definitely is setting herself up for when she retires. So I, I said at least all the time is that if you're not going to school and you know yeah you have a skill, if you have a skill or you have a talent, let let people know of that talent while you are still in their face. So that means that. Put it out there work on it because you have two things you have the financial backing and you have the popularity to to, to, to launch your business 
So whatever you want to do and also invest and set up yourself for the end game because as in track and field is, is a very long, is a very short lifespan. You can't play it for 30 years or 20 years like a basketballer. So we have to strike and we have to think and, and, and manage our money very, very carefully while we're actually running. Tanya, what path do you see most athletes taking after retirement, especially those that aren't the top, top, like a, like a Bolt or a Shellyann? Um, it varies significantly, and I think I'm, I'm very proud of what I'm seeing coming out of even the Jamaican space recently, because athletes are now thinking about banking in many different ways, and outside of track and field, I'm looking at a Michael Freito, who I see quite often when I go to the gym because he owns a lounge um, you know, in Manor Park. I'm looking at a dialysis center that was set up by Nesta Carter. I'm looking at the fact that even Johan, before retirement, now he has a wellness center where he offers physiotherapy and other services to athletes. So a lot of them are thinking about how they're going to make money after. Actually, and Fraser Price has a hair business, as Warren mentioned. Um, you know, Elaine has a couple of stores, a restaurant that was recently opened. And so athletes are thinking about just how they can earn outside of track and field as well. And you know, the important aspect, and Kalila, you're well aware of this, investments, very important for the athlete with their money and being able to make it work for them. There are some others too who profit directly off of their brand after in terms of selling athletic gear. I'm seeing that Veronica Campbell-Brown is, is, has her own DCB line. Um, I'm looking at Alison Felix, one of the most decorated athletes in track and field history. She had a falling out with Nike and she now has her own line. Um, of shoes and athletic gear so you just keep building that brand and you'll be able to back off of it and of course there are some who are in the space of um, the media space so like an Atta Boldon who is the lead anchor for NBC and Atta wears many hats he's Brianna Williams's coach I work very closely with Atta but he also um, outside of coaching in his next life, he's also an analyst um, with one of the biggest media houses in the world. So there are multiple revenue streams available for athletes after you retire. Do you actually make any money at the Olympics? The athletes themselves? Zero, zero dollars and zero cents. They don't get Which paid is, to participate? No. You don't get paid. It's, this is why I keep what? saying, Kalila, that it's a massive marketing opportunity. There is no money to be collected from the IOC. And it's a big cash grab for them. Because Even when you making... win? if you, So the winning a medal, the medals don't come with a cash prize? No. It doesn't. No? It, it comes with a fancy medal that you're being told now that you can't <laughs> even put in your mouth because it's made of recycled material. But it comes with zero dollars and zero cents. And that's why you need to get out there and ensure that you perform well so that you're racing to the heart and that you can make money, money. They make huge money off of broadcasting rights. So just from NBC Sports alone, um, they have paid $7.2 billion to the IOC for the Olympics broadcast rights for just the US market alone. So huge money is involved, but none directly to each of those athletes. Do you guys think that's fair though? That doesn't sound fair. Cause I'm sure everybody else get paid. The people who sweep up the field, the people who are Actually, at the stadium selling, the people who are selling the tickets, everybody else gets paid and the athletes don't get paid. I'll say funny enough, those people are volunteers. Really? 
a lot of I, people I, I, know, I think it's grossly unfair and that's why I keep saying and I stress this all the time and as many times as I can profit off your brand because other people are profiting off of you this is not the time to be shy and introverted and decide that you don't want to post post let them know you put your face out there let people know your journey build the fan base so if you don't get into that top 10 is it even worth it Warren it still is because um one of the biggest titles beside your name is Olympian. Mm. Whether you're Olympic finalist, Olympic medalist, you are an Olympian. And it, it, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. It still has weight. But the more weight it has is when you have a medal to your name. But being an Olympian is still a great, great achievement because, you know, millions of people in the world and you are part of an elite bunch of, of, of humans. I can say, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an Olympian. So it That's still has true. weight, but it's just that you want the heaviest weight possible, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Seven billion people in the world. How many can say that they've been to the Olympics to participate? Even if you come dead last. That's so true. <laughs> you're still an Olympian. Like, still an when, Olympian. After the Olympic Games, you're, you a you, couple months after you receive an actual email that says you have the right to use O-L-Y in your name. <laughs> you have, so you so where a, you put it? Oli Warren or Warren Oli? <laughs> you, you say you put Warren where Oli. Um, so you can put wherever you want to put it. If you have a business card, you can put it. You can put it on your Instagram. You can put it wherever you want to put it because you will now have the rights to do it. You are given the rights. You have the paper, everything that says you can do it. So all right, I train up the young ones. I have a little. <laughs> I have two little Olympians coming up. <laughs> and the thing about it, that, as in, by the time they get to that age, they, they'll probably be a new sport in the Olympics that they can do. Because real, there's real. so much sports being implemented in the Olympics now. It's it's so crazy. So 20 years from now, who knows what event will be in the Olympics? Probably video, <laughs> game, probably video games. <laughs> <laughs> video game Olympics that probably already exist. Thank you so much, Tanya and Warren. Thanks for having me. Thanks um, for having us. So... Do you think athletes should be paid for participating in the Olympics? Leave a comment below and take this week's poll question in the community section of my YouTube channel. Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Time now for your market recap. Brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think Sagicor Investments. The Jamaica Stock Exchange advanced with the combined index gaining nearly a percent. 103 stocks traded across both the main and junior markets of the JSC for the week ending Friday, July 30, 2021. 36 advanced, 55 declined, and 12 stayed the same. 97 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, totaling nearly $885 million. Wigden Wind Farm traded the most, with people buying and selling 15 million shares in the company. The stock remained unchanged to open this week at 55 cents. Lumber Depot traded at the second highest, with people buying and selling 13 million shares in the company. The stock lost one cent to open the week at $3.37. And rounding out the most traded, Trans Jamaican Highway, which took up nearly 12% of market volume. The stock gained six cents to open the week at $1.25. Now let's see who had the biggest gains. Sibony Group stock price rose 40% last week and was also July's biggest gainer. 
The stock opens this new month, August at 49 cents. Productive Business Solutions 9.75% cumulative redeemable stock price rose 31% to be second for this week's biggest gains. The stock opens this week at $105. Portland JSX gained $1.20 to open this week at $9.20. And also up 15% and rounding out our biggest gains, JMMB Group 7% VRJMDCR preference shares gained 24 cents to open this week at $1.84. On the losing side now, CAC 2000 9.5% cumulative redeemable preference shares was the biggest loser for the week, down nearly 17%. The stock closed last week at $1.00. Fesco was second on the list, its stock price down 14% this week. The stock opens this new week at $1.45. Rounding off the biggest losers, Epley 7.5% preference shares due 2024 lost nearly 14% to close last week at $12.75. Now here's a quick look at some of the highlights for the month of July. The main index declined by less than 1%. The junior market declined by 1%. The financial index declined by nearly 1%. Kingston Properties saw an increase to open this new month, August at $9.57. And rounding off the biggest gains for the month of July, Radio Jamaica. Its stock advanced to 22% to open this new month at $2.02. Palace Amusement was July's biggest loser. Its stock down 29% to open this new month at $1,033.76. Cygnus Credit Investments USD Ordinary Shares went down 18% to open this new month, August at 12 cents. And Main Event Entertainment rounded out the biggest losers, down to $4.51. Market Recap was brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think Sagicor Investments. This segment of Taking Stock, the Analysts, is brought to you by Proven Wealth and Ideal Portfolio Services. Welcome back to Taking Stock. I've got a team of analysts to examine the week in business. I'm joined by Senior Wealth Advisor at Ideal Portfolio Services, Auric Angus, Assistant Manager of Private Equity at Proven Management, Julian Morrison, and Research and Strategy Analyst at Sagicor Investments, Jodianne Aris. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hey, Kalila. Hi, Kalila. I'm good. Thanks. Well, hi, let's hi. see what we have to discuss this week. First up on the batting list is Seprod. Their financial results are out. Auric, what are the highlights from Seprod? Um, Seprod has been fairly decent in their last report. Um, they, they have shown some improvements in comparison to last year. The company delivered um, in the six months report, the company delivered revenue of $19.8 billion, which is an increase of $1.2 billion um, for the corresponding uh, period in 2020. Um, I see where they have a lot of invention hand, and that is probably as a result of the, them taking precautionary measures um, to, to, to weather the pandemic. Um, it seems as if a lot of that inventory has been tied up. Um, though I see they will also roll out where they're going to start launching an online shopping um, program. So it seems as if a, it is an innovative method to increase their revenue stream. Um, obviously, in my opinion, they are trying to get out some of that inventory. As you know, the business that they operate, you need to keep inventory moving. Um, in regards to their net profit, um, that year to date, that has improved by 7% um, compared to last year when that um, same period when that was around 
Um, the, 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 the bottom line is, is that separate is, is being bitten by, by COVID bug where supply and trade, supply chain constraints are concerned. Um, a lot of companies in that space is having challenges, um, but it's good to know that they're cutting costs to, 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 to weather the storm. As you can see, uh, revenue came in at 7% and it matched the net profit um, year to date. So it's, it's, it's obvious that they are trying to cut costs. Um, raw materials and, and commodity prices are increased, so they have to ensure that they mitigate these factors. Um, in regards to their balance sheet, um, current, current assets is standing well. About $2.8 billion worth of cash is, is hanging on the balance sheet, so that is good. Um, overall, I think it's a fairly good report, fairly fair performance in terms of what is happening. We're hoping that um, as schools reopen, that will also kind of balance out their risk, but we have to factor in that the Delta variant is running close. So with that said, I think, and I think the company mentioned it as well, that they'll continue to take um, precautionary measures and try and maintain costs while trying to increase revenue and their bottom line in a sense. Yeah, Stepart is just one of those consistently good performing yeah. companies. That that's that's the main thing I like about them. They're just consistent. And you yeah. mentioned the supply chain issues. We're very well aware of those uh, right. those shipping costs that have gone up. We did a whole show on that. Mm -hmm. Commodities prices going up. So yeah, right. a lot of things that they have to contend with. But the silver lining for Seprod is that manufacturing distribution industry has been one of the stalwarts of COVID. They've been able to weather the storm, right. so to speak. Right. All right. So let's look at some results from overseas. Julian Dollar Tree Inc. has reported some Q, their Q1 earnings. Tell me, who is Dollar Tree? What do they do for those who in this market aren't familiar with them? And what are the earnings showing? Okay, so Dollar Tree is actually a Fortune 200 company, and it's a discount variety store. They own Family Dollar, so they sell a variety of... That's the of... Dollar store? Yes, yeah. yes. So they sell a oh, variety of okay. items, so personal care items. I thought items. it was like a low company, but it's the Dollar store. Right, 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 right. So... They sell a variety of, of, of um, knickknacks, convenience items, personal care items, household items, etc. And the main driver for their revenues and the larger side of their asset base in terms of retail is actually Family Dollar. So I know quite a few persons would be more familiar with um, Family Dollar, which is a subsidiary of theirs. So in terms of net income or their earnings, it's actually up. 5.25%, five, sorry, 51.25%. Um, and the result is actually 374.5 million. And that's just for their, their first quarter of their financial year ended May. Um, but what's interesting is that their revenue grew 3.1% to 6.48 billion. Then what you realize is that their costs actually came down so they're really focusing on efficiency and tightening up efficiency so particularly you look at the cost of sales right that's flat year over year which is really important because cost of sales is something that flows through to the bottom line and it's normally a fairly large line item in terms of cost so once that is flat even if the revenue is not huge it will make a big difference all else considered 
Now, in terms of their operating expenses, selling that is the selling general administrative expenses, that grew slightly by 1.3% to be 1.45 billion. And what is also important is that their interest expense is down 17.91%. So you found that the, the, the costs that they pay to finances, so that would be their debt servicing that came down quite a bit. So that is what really, these, these factors combined is what allowed that big earnings knockout to materialize. So that is a commendable performance. It's really an efficiency story. Um, in terms of gaining that, that revenue growth result in, the, in, in a pandemic is, is commendable. But what's interesting is that going forward, when we look at what is called a reopening trade or the paradigm of the U.S. economy moving towards um, reopening and normalizing and more people going outside and spending more money and labor markets improving, what we find is that, as Auric mentioned, inflation comes with that. And because inflation is such a major catalyst right now for so many um, decision-making um factors right now for consumers especially those who are earning a fixed income they have to look for deals they're going to be looking for convenience items that they can afford and be able to maximize what they can get from their basket Ooh. so that is a tailwind for a company like dollar tree especially a company that has a loyal customer base it has a strong distribution framework and their goods are fairly reliable within the context of what people expect so all of these things actually benefit the company now, in terms of cash, we realize that cash flow from operations is down 42% to $556 million. However, cash flow from operations is higher than their net profit results. So even though CFO came down quite a bit, and that had to do with some um, working capital movements, um, it's still not alarming because they're generating more cash than, the, than what they require as profit. So that's great. Um, cash flow from operations. Their balance sheet is healthy. Um, their equity, because their net worth, is up 13.7%, 7.41 billion. So it's not just about PL and cash. Their balance sheet is great as well. And in terms of the stock, the stock is down 16.5% from the 52-week high, and it's down 5.76% from the 200-day moving average. And the last time I checked it, it was around $100.54. The PE is around 16.16 times, and the return on equity is 21%. So those indicators show that the stock is performing financially. It's down slightly from the levels that we checked before. So it means that all of these factors combined means that, one, it's likely that the company should do well in the following quarters, all is considered, and two, the stock from a technical standpoint has some more upside because it's not hitting the top. It has some more space. So all around, from a bird's eye view, it's an opportunity worth looking at. It's one of those less, the less sexy stocks, you know, one of the yeah. boring stocks, but it's, it's doing a, very well. It's a Fortune 200. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. You'd hear yeah, Fortune a companies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I went into a dollar store. You know, you go to the foreign and the dollar store, you walk, everything is a dollar. Oh my God. 
start splurging on, on these dollar items. <laughs> yeah, that splurging adds up. Yeah, I'm spending a whole heap of money on all these knickknacks, stuff right. that you don't even necessarily need. I hear right, that right. There, there's looking to be, you spoke about the Delta variant of COVID-19 and how that has impacted shipping, logistics of various companies. I heard that there may be some additional lockdowns coming in the United States. How is that likely to, to impact uh, markets? Well, so what's interesting is that a major catalyst for the market in the US is liquidity. So money supply has grown significantly um from a historical basis if you were to look at it in terms of the the trend 20-year trend 30-year trend whichever, whichever time period you want to use you would see the shape of it looking like a hockey stick so it looks like a big j it's going up sharply because money supply increased significantly and what that did was to not only stimulate the supply of credit in the economy but because credit became cheaper a lot of persons use that additional money supply to go into the market so that has really pushed financial markets to become far more buoyant in terms of growth. Um, that has made many investors more aggressive. Interestingly, a lot of new retail investors have jumped into the market because they have more time on their hands and they're hearing so much about the growth in the market. So it's a domino effect. So you have a lot of new funds coming into the market. And that, that momentum is what is pushing prices, especially for the large cap stocks that everyone is talking about. And of course... Um, ETF fund managers are still purchasing some of these assets where they can see the opportunities. So even though we see that there's some downside risk um, to the near term, to economic results, one, it might not be as catastrophic as in the previous year because of all the stimulus that came in, fiscal stimulus and, of course, the money supply. And also, investors are now more accustomed to the COVID shock. So they're not going to be as shocked as they were the first time. So that should actually help to keep markets at a certain level and catalyze further growth down the line. So we don't see it having a significant pullback effect compared to so, last year. Jodian, what's the IMF saying? So they have published their projections. What What is the IMF expecting for global growth? Um, well, IMF has not really done a major revision to what they said in April. So, I mean, pretty much it has remained unchanged. So, they're looking at global growth at 6% for 2021 and 4.9% in 2022, which is pretty much the same as they had it in April. The only differences are pretty much the prospects for emerging and developing markets have been revised downwards. And that's largely due to emerging Asia, while on the contrast for advanced countries, that has been revised upwards. And that revision reflects, um, you know, greater support in larger economies, you know, for developments and changes in policy to provide greater support. And so particularly for the US, they are looking at the legislations um, surrounding fiscal support that should come in the second half of 2021, as well as improved health metrics. I mean, so if it is that more persons in terms of your COVID pandemic. So even though there's risk with the new variant or in our upcoming variants, I mean, you can't call them new because they keep coming. Um, but even though there's still a risk um, with the level of vaccination in their market, um, it, you know, it's a reduced risk in the larger global economies. And so that is pretty much what they have. I mean, they do have some highlights in terms of inflation 
And I think one of the terms, if it is that you're following like the US market, you'll really hear the Fed talk about transitory, which you know indicates that inflation is not necessarily here for a long period of time. And so the expectation is that it's just because of the pent up demand that exists now and the global supply chain issues. Um, but what the IMF is actually saying is that it could be longer than we thought. So, I mean, even though they don't think it's going to be, they think it's temporary, but they're- It's already longer than we thought. <laughs> it's already way, way longer than we, when this came out last year, we were thinking like, okay, three months, six months. Yeah, well, I think last year we had- And here more, we are like more prices. nearly two years later. Yeah. Well, I think when you look at last year in terms of, you know, there was reduced oil price that was down, say, because there was greater supply at the start of, you know, when COVID came about and, you know, reduced demand. So we benefited last year in terms of prices. And so I think this year, you now we're just feeling the converse. And I think from a producer standpoint, if it is that I can keep the I can keep my supply tight, knowing that there is increased demand, then I can do a little bit more to control the price and probably make up for what I'd lost last year. And so you have the two sides of the market that's playing out. And so it take a little bit of process to get back to equilibrium. So we work, the, the economies are working on it. You know what's funny? So people are, many people are having a hard time and pinching pennies, going to Dollar Tree, trying to find value. But at the same time, Apple has demolished its earnings <laughs> expectations. So people are flocking to buy these new iPhones. All right, give me the update with Apple's latest results. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good um, rationale. I mean, my stock is a little bit sexier than Julian's. But I think you guys should take him up on the opportunity because I myself have been following Dollar Tree and it, and it is a good opportunity for investors to look at. Um, in regards to Apple, I, I really like what I'm seeing because a lot of analysts, let me not say a lot, a few analysts from abroad had, had, had write off the company in terms of growth, that the growth would have slowed down um, and they have proved otherwise. Um, the company revenues grew 12% on an annual basis right across um, their product lines. Um, and, and we have to factor that this is in the midst of a global chip shortage. Um, what's so exciting about um, this as well is that persons are looking alternative um, tech options, seeing that China has been cracking down on, on a lot of Chinese listed company outside of that jurisdiction. So I think Apple has been a major force to reckon with um, in the past years, and it has continued to do well through innovative um, methods. Um, the company performance this period is huge. During the June period, usually one of its slowest, but it was able to pick up during that period as a result of um, remote working, schools being old, people working from home, so they need more gadgets, more laptops, more iPads. So the demand has increased more than that, more than they have expected. Um, with, this, with the shortage in the industry, in the chip industry, they were able to mitigate some of that, but I think it will affect their performance um, in the September quarter um, as that continue to rise. I think that supply shortage will continue to, to impact the industry until at least 2023. But all in all, um, the revenues came in at 81.4 billion versus 73.3 billion that's 33 36% up from last year wow um, that's nice right. so the company has been doing extremely well the stock is like 145 dollars today 
it is perceived, still perceived to be expensive by many, especially us Jamaicans. Um, I still think it's worth buying. It's worth looking into. Yeah, Jamaican people don't even like paying 145 Jamaican dollars for a stuff, yeah. much less 145 <laughs> US. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hold on, Eric. I found it for you. Like you found it? Yeah. That's like 20,000 Jamaican dollars for one Apple stock, no? Yeah, so it's... If you convert it at 155, 156. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, when, when investors are, are making investment decisions, they should yeah. contextualize it by doing that conversion. Even if you're right. looking at a local stock, yep. you have That's to keep investment positions. Yeah, man, you have to keep investment decisions in US just to have that perspective. That's my recommendation. So in terms of Apple's net profit, what I'm seeing yeah. here is... um. Is seventy four million compared to forty four million? Wow! Yeah. Wow! So an even bigger jump than the revenue. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Apple continues to shine, man. Thank you so much for your input again this week, everybody. All the best. No problem. Thank okay. you too. All right. Bye, guys. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, was brought to you by Proven Wealth and Ideal Portfolio Services. That's our show for this week. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to this channel, and share with a friend. Also, subscribe to our newsletter at kalilareynolds.com newsletter and turn on those post notifications so that you can be the first to see everything else that we do. We want to help people learn more about money so we can all get this money together. So this week on Money Mondays JA, we're looking at tax evasion versus tax avoidance. And on Money Moves JA, if your business has reached the point where you're ready to hire, what are the best practices for finding new talent? And what are your legal obligations to your employees? We'll find out. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kalila Ray and follow at TakingStockJA on Instagram. If you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box below for their contact information. Also visit our website, KalilaReynolds.com, for financial information you can use however you like it, watch, listen, or read. Now, tell a friend about Taking Stock because investing is the new sexy. So let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. Let's get this money. This money. <laughs> <laughs>